And we are back with citizen journalist Ashton Forbes discussing missing Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Um, so the um, the likely location of the plane, it was sort of teleported in a sense to Diego Garcia. How do you how do you keep I mean, assuming some of the 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 passengers are alive, uh, how do you keep something like that quiet? Yeah, great question, Richard. So I think this kind of was the conspiracy angle, which is what I think is the largest verifiable conspiracy of all time. A lot of people out there listening are probably going, well, what about this debris? I thought we found some debris. So let me first just go ahead and destroy the official narrative. This plane did not crash into the South Indian Ocean. We know that because there was no debris field. You can't not have a debris field from a 777 crash into the ocean. There's no possible way where this just slowly hit the water then sank into the depths. There's going to be a debris field everywhere, bodies, luggage, parts of the plane. We're going to see it from space the next day. It was the most expensive search in history. The official search did not find one piece of the plane, not one. The black boxes were not found, despite them looking across the entire seventh arc for these, these boxes, and they can produce signals for up to 20,000 deaths for 30 days. The SOSA system, same system that heard the Titan sub pop, would have heard the acoustic detection of this plane hitting the ocean. There's two other hydrophones. Western Australia has hydrophones. So does Diego Garcia, that same military base. Neither of them heard detections for the plane crashing into the South Indian Ocean. There's two radar systems that would have seen it. Indonesia's and Australia's system, the Jorn system, would have seen the plane. This is an active shipping route from Africa to Australia. It supposedly crashed in the early morning, but there was no witnesses that saw the plane or saw it crash or saw a debris field. The official flight path has it running out of gas. A lot of people then go to this, de- this default and say, well, the ocean's really big. There's literally nowhere else for the plane to go. They searched everywhere it possibly could, assuming fuel exhaustion in the plane. They searched, uh, the official narrative says that this plane crashed at a 90-degree angle initially, which is impossible for a plane. And it, again, if you're doing a swan dive from a 777, it's not going to just go right through the water. It's going to explode pieces everywhere. They later changed this to a 14-degree angle. The Wait a second. Not uh, like the Hudson River. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Let me just ask, jump in here. Uh, wasn't there some debris found uh, on a beach in Madagascar, Madagascar by some yeah. – he was an American lawyer, I think, Bla- uh, Blaine Gibson. Yeah, I was going to get right to that, but I want to do a couple more things before we get to that part. But So okay. they okay. changed yeah. the narrative, said this plane was coming at an angle. It's not like landing in the Hudson River. This plane's going to rip apart. There are four redundant ELT beacons on this plane that are activated on crash. None of them did. Nineteen families of the victims signed a statement saying they could call the victims' phones for up to four days. Um, So there's a lot of evidence for why this plane didn't crash. Now, some debris was found, not by the official search on Madagascar, Reunion Island. Um, This debris, some of it actually has burn marks on it. And the burn mark pieces actually have a honeycomb pattern consistent with Boeing Airlines. Only three pieces have been uh, confirmed to be parts of the plane. Only one was matched with a serial number, this flapper on that they often talk about. What the media doesn't mention is that it was not a unique serial number. It's just a part number. There's actually supposed to be a unique serial plate. You can Google this. It was missing, despite the fact that it was presumably bolted on to the flapper on. Uh, Jeff Wise in the documentary, I think, mentions, or at least he's got some blog posts, mentioned how he thinks this debris was planted ineptly. Now, the theory that we've proposed here from my organization says that we can bring this debris back in. If there was a fire, the tiny amounts of debris, which you go look up the CNN article about the total amounts of debris, it's less than 1% of the plane. It's almost nothing. 
So they did not find a plane. They did not find enough debris for a plane. And there was a equivalent plane purchased by GA Telesis, a 9M-MRK, scrapped in October of 2013, just six months before this. That's an exact replica of MH370, also purchased from Malaysian Airlines. GA Telesis has close ties to the government and intelligence. So this debris could be from MH370, especially because we're talking about a teleportation event where this plane went from one location to another location. Um, or it potentially there's a lot of doubt as to whether it ever even was. Okay. So that brings us back to the the passengers, uh, 239, including the crew. Assuming some survived or most or God willing, all, uh, they go back to their families, presumably. Uh, how do you keep something like this quiet? I'm not sure they went back to their families. A lot of the families have been silenced. They have been forced into settlements. Um, from what I've been told, I've talked to all, pretty much all the official investigators. I think the one I respect the most is Florence Changi. I want to give her a shout-out. I feel like her the narratives into what she believes have been distorted by the media. Uh, and she's done probably the most in-depth investigation from a kind of looking at it from a criminal investigation the same way that I do. Um, a lot of them have moved on. If you are going to silence them, then you are paying them off with a settlement, and then they have like a non-disclosure agreement. They can't talk about the case ever again. Um, they did not get much money. If you go look up these families, they only got probably roughly eighty, ninety thousand uh, each total, and the except for potentially some of the Australian ones who got a little bit more for having these cases tried in Australia. Um, so you might argue that if people did survive, like the American passenger, perhaps they got put into witness protection, given a new identity, told they'll never be able to go talk to the people they knew once again. But a lot of this is speculative, and there's really not a lot of way we can know. You know, unless we have two other videos to show where they appeared, how many people could have survived this. Um, again, it's it's not looking great for a lot of these passengers. Uh, the the vast majority, I think of the well, not the vast majority, but about, about 150 of the 239 aboard were were from China. Uh, I mm-hmm. guess you could argue if they're if they go back to communist China, that's uh, you know, yeah. given their system, it might be a little easier to keep them quiet. Yeah, I think that that part would be really easy. You know, China, Malaysia, um, Obama went and visited Malaysia for the first time any president visited in over 50 years in April of 2014. Uh, spent a couple of days there, uh, somewhat unprecedented. So you could argue that they were establishing the cover-up. You know, one interesting fact from the Malaysian Minister of Defense, who if you watch the interviews with the Malaysian Minister of Defense, some of the sketchiest interviews I've ever seen in my life, he argues that uh, they, the plane was unidentified. Uh, but then he goes ahead and admits that they knew it was a civilian airliner and they knew it wasn't hostile. But if the if one of the most uh, likely scenarios is a hijacking, there's no way you can know it's not hostile unless you have communication with the plane. So we've suspected that this has been a cover-up from the beginning. There's been a lot of questions of why did they not send jets up. He gets asked this in an interview from an Australian uh, reporter. And the Australian reporter he, he gets very defensive and says, well, why would you send a plane? Are you going to shoot down the plane? And she goes, well, you said that, not me. And he kind of asks, well, why would we send that plane? And she says, well, to track the plane. You know, that's the logical explanation for sending the jet up. And he gets very defensive and starts talking about military procedures and stating that the Americans would shoot down the plane, which is just offensive in my mind. Um, but they don't really explain why they don't send a plane up there. In my mind, the answer is that the U.S. government took over the situation. Once they had this emergency event from the Slipi-MI and battery fire, they knew it was an emergency. They were, it was an emergency situation, not a hostile event. 
They didn't send the jets up because the Americans were already tracking it. They were already in communication. They actually only released the communications from the pilots much later on after there was outrage over why they weren't releasing them. I imagine that a lot of that information was classified, uh, that real communications that potentially still happened. Um, but that's just speculative on my part. We did find an SOS at 2.43 a.m., which is 18.43 UTC, just several minutes after we think or around the time our videos happened. It was only reported in Chinese news that claimed to be an intercepted communication from MH370 saying that the plane was disintegrating and then attempting an emergency landing, which is consistent with the videos and an eyewitness report from Catherine T., who's on a boat right there uh, in the official flight path, who sees this plane glowing orange, consistent with the bromine halogen gas from the halon fire extinguishing devices being used to try to put out this plane for over an hour. She sees it flying low, descending while she sees it. Um, so we have this ton of evidence that kind of lines up towards this big event and this huge cover-up that's going on. Um, the uh, the drone – okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Ashton. Well, one thing I just really want to make sure I get out there is that some people may be saying that they've heard of some debunks. They think there might be some video game effect in here. That is all false. That is disinformation that's being pushed out there. We have debunked every single debunk that's out there right now, and we even have a bounty, $120,000 for anybody who can find the person that supposedly made these videos, if you think that they're fake, and produce the source files. This comes from Kim.com on Twitter and the Investigate Earth podcast, who put in $100,000 and $20,000 respectively. That's how strongly they believe that these videos are authentic. So if anybody out there is listening nationwide, worldwide, you want to prove these videos are fake, all you have to do is go find the person that made them and bring the source files you can collect that money. Uh, again, if you want to see the video, if you haven't, uh, go to the coasttocoastam.com website, and under tonight's show information, just click on Ashton's name, and that will take you right to his YouTube channel, at JustXAshton, at JustXAshton. There you'll see the stereoscopic satellite video. And also the uh, f footage uh, taken from the uh, drone uh, with a, ther um, a thermal imaging overlay. Um, don't you find it kind of coincidental, though, that the, the U.S. military had had the assets in that precise area at that, that, at that time? In other words, they had the drone there. Mm -hmm. um, how do we explain that? Yeah, so we think that that drone was deployed from potentially a joint India-U.S. base, probably around the Kar Nicobar Islands. Um, there was also Thai-U.S. training exercises played to begin March 10, 2014. So it's possible that this was a situation of opportunity, where it's rare that you have a plane that's on fire that's able to last for an hour and 20 minutes, that you have the assets nearby. We, there were 20 free-scale semiconductor scientists and engineers. We've been able to tie directly to room temperature superconductivity from a 2005 National Security Agency report about commercial emergence of room temperature superconductors that mentions free-scale semiconductors nine times in there. We also found a news article that ties them to uh, RF ships, uh, I may be saying this wrong, for U.S. aerospace and defense as well. So the likely motive here to save these passengers is that they have people on board who are directly tied to that technology. Or they could just be doing another good their hearts, but... I don't think a lot of people are going to believe that narrative when it comes to the U.S. military. Um, 
So one other thing I want to talk about real quick, if it's okay, Richard, is yeah. who we think leaked this information. Um, okay. Because I think this is some of the most compelling part of the entire case. Is I was looking at this person, Agent 370, and as I've just stated here, we think the leaker was a U.S. military personnel, likely an operator, probably had an emotional reaction due to the fact that the regicide of non-account says it was received four days later. They removed the HUD data, and they added this thermal layer over the top of the drone video. They cropped out the drone from the satellite video as well. They probably had to convince the regicide of non-account that they were authentic due to the long upload date. They thought maybe they were looking at UFOs. Maybe they thought that what they were leaking here was not damaging to the U.S. military. They didn't realize it was defense contractor technology. We find Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn took weeks of searching for this person. Experience in signals intelligence was on the Special Project Squadron VPU-2. His last deployment, February 2014 to March 2016, but he gets reassigned the, the month after he gets initially deployed. March 25th, 2014, just weeks after the plane went missing. Ends up getting arrested in September of 2015. His last assignment was that assignment. The next assignment's the brig for him. In May of 2014, he gets caught with two flight manifests in his flight suit from a deployment that included search and rescue code names. The investigation into him began in April 2nd, 2014. The FBI ran a sting on him because they were trying to prove that he was a spy and that he was you know, selling secrets to China. There was no evidence of it. The charges against him initially of espionage would have resulted in life in prison. First major incident of espionage by an active duty member of the Navy since the end of the Cold War. They redacted his charge sheet. They, he was privy to the Navy's black program portfolio, knowledge that would be an extremely useful to potential adversaries. They ended up having to admit it wasn't really a spy case. There was no evidence of that. The defense argued that the classified information in question is available on the Internet. He was abused in pretrial detainment by the goon squad. They argued that leadership was having them come in there, ruffle his cell, put him out in the cold, taking his confidential information between him and his lawyer away from him. They didn't tell him what his charges were when they were investigating him. They made sure he was in pretrial detainment, but the evidence for why he needed to be locked up was non-existent. He ended up taking a plea deal for nine years in prison, which is a huge amount for just uh, mishandling classified information. They shaved three years off of it because he worked with the NCIS and the FBI and ended up admitting that what he did was wrong. He took responsibility for the two offenses that he claimed that he was actually guilty of, and that he wanted to stand as, um, a, you know, say that essentially other people shouldn't do what he did and that he was very apologetic about it. I FOIA'd the NCIS their head of legal responded back in less than a week. They rejected my FOIA in total. They wouldn't give me anything about the case. Under an Obama-era exempt, uh, uh, executive order that is, quote, to be kept secret in the interest of national defense or foreign policy, which is unusual to me because they said it wasn't a spy case. So this evidence to me links this guy directly to MH370, potentially directly to these videos. In my mind, he's a hero. He's my hero. I would do anything for this guy. And the president of the United States needs to give him a pardon so that he can come out and tell the truth about these videos. Uh, are you able to – have you spoken with his lawyer? Have you reached out to his lawyer? Great question. Um, I have. I did reach out to the lawyer. I thought that that was the best way to go about doing this. I found a lawyer from the news articles. Um, I talked to a clerk. They called me back on a Sunday. I gave them all the information. They started following me on Twitter. And uh, I'd never heard back from the lawyer, but instead I got an email. And the email was about 
the implications of the new whistleblower law that was coming through for UFOs, the UAPs, and what it meant for people that were charged with court martials. Ashton, I got to jump in here again. I apologize. We're going to roll into the bottom of the hour, and then we'll uh, come back, take some calls. Ashton Forbes, citizen journalist, missing flight MH370. Sugarman Rodriguez taking us into the break right here on Coast to Coast AM. Welcome back. We're talking about the disappearance of Malaysian Flight 370 back in March of 2014. Just vanished from radar. And if you go to coasttocoastam.com, go to tonight's show information, click on our guest Ashton Forbes' name. That'll take you to his YouTube channel. And that is uh, at Just Axe Ashton. Just Axe Ashton. And you can see these videos for yourself. A stereoscopic a satellite video of the uh, what appears to be a Boeing 777 in distress, smoke trails coming out of it. Then it's suddenly surrounded by uh, three orbs, spheres, and then whoosh, a flash, and it disappears. Uh, you can also see the, uh, the drone footage with a, a thermal uh, imaging overlay. And uh, Ashton Forbes, journalist, uh, citizen journalist, is with us. Uh, how do they, how do they deploy this, this technology that teleported this plane, perhaps to Diego Garcia? Uh, I mean, these, these, uh, orbs that seemingly, seemingly come out of nowhere to surround the plane. Uh, do you have a handle, uh, on, on where, where they're coming from? Yeah, you've got great questions tonight, Richard. Those are something that I've been talking to people, talking to newfound sources. I'm in a position now where I never thought I'd be in a million years. Um, my best guess was I thought that one of them seems to be coming from the water, so maybe it was coming from a submarine. Uh, what people have told me is they could be coming from different locations. They could even be getting deployed from satellites in space. They could be getting deployed from a plane. They could be getting deployed from underwater as well, because when they create this field around them, they're separating themselves from space-time. This allows them to traverse through water or air or even space um, essentially freely without any type of friction or resistance. So we can't really know for sure because we don't have that information in the videos, but they could be getting deployed from different locations. And uh, what do you think? Is this Was this simply an opportunity for them to test this equipment, or uh, is there now perhaps um, evidence that, that this technology has been utilized elsewhere? Does this begin, in other words, to explain some other strange disappearances yeah what i can say is that i've never seen anything to this level of in terms of this level of detail of videos ever in my life i you know i only got interested a few years ago there's been a lot of similar things that people have brought up going back to the philadelphia experiment foo fighters in world war ii other plane situations where they've seen orbs there's actually a lot of videos out there where there's three orbs in a similar triangle pattern like this near airplanes but Never one where I think a plane just straight up disappeared. Um, so that part at least is somewhat new. And I have to say that, you know, I, I, I'd say I can, you can tell me that I'm an expert on these videos and in this case, but I'm not really an expert on anything else outside of that. What I will say to the people out there who want answers is that if these videos can get proven authentic, and again, we've got a $120,000 bounty for anyone to find somebody who theoretically hoaxed or faked these videos, which I don't think is ever going to happen. I think we found the real leaker. Um, but if we can authenticate these, then I think it will give credit to a lot of people's sightings that have been dismissed over the years, people that want answers, that people will then start to look into those things. So 
I hope that these videos actually give those people hope and uh, that for a better world and for more information to come out. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Brent is in Los Angeles. Good morning, Brent. Welcome to Coast to Coast. Good morning, Richard. You there? Yes, go ahead. Speak up. Okay. Thank uh, you. I'm sorry. I'll see how long I, I can stay on before I get dropped. Um, Ashton, how you doing? Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's some interesting uh, – actually, it's Brandon, by the way. Uh, sorry. Uh, okay. No Thank problem. you, Brandon. Uh, and Brandon in Texas is brilliant. Um, so uh, – Ashton, did you ever see any of the footage of CNN when this originally happened that day? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, we look back at a lot of the footage. The, the footage of CNN that a lot of people talk about is the Don Lemon piece, which was from March 20th, where he actually just asked the panel, is it possible? He says, a lot of people are talking about black holes. Did a black hole have sucked away the plane? Probably the weirdest thing on CNN I've ever seen in my whole life. And I've seen them fake that they were in a flood boating on a, on a boat. So... Very odd. And then the panel responds and says, oh, well, even a small black hole would have sucked in the entire universe, which is objectively false. But um, I've seen a lot of weird stuff on CNN, but that's the weirdest for sure. That is odd. And let me tell you what I saw that day that was interesting. Okay, I call it like the 30-minute rule. Uh, these days I don't watch TV much. So I don't know. Like It's probably tighter these days. Um, but uh, for a while in the past, there would be things that would be in uh, stories that would be within the 30, first 30 minutes, and then uh, you'd never see it again. For example, on 9-11, um, one of the things that happened at the same time was the president of Afghanistan was assassinated, and they made a big deal out of it, and then it was gone. You never heard anything else about it ever again. Um, I saw something that was interesting on that day. I just happened to just be watching uh, when that happened for the Malaysian thing, and there was a Japanese gentleman at this press conference where they were speaking to the families, and he was wearing like a a black suit, smoking a cigarette, and he appeared to be on a cell phone at the same time. And they were taking questions, and they answered him. He, he raised his hand, and, and he goes like, what about, what about the people? What about the people, something along these lines, on the plane? Uh, his son was, was one of them. Like, I'm still talking to them on the phone right now, he said. And then, um, boom, you never saw it again. Wow. Yep. There was 19 people that signed a joint statement saying they could still call the phones four days later. CNN tried to have this expert go on and say, well, yeah, that's just they're still connecting to the old cell towers. The cell towers don't even go out into the ocean. We looked into this. The moment your phone's underwater for like uh, just like 30 minutes, it's going to die, and especially in salt water. You can't even get a signal if your phone's under like a few feet of water as well. So for 19 of them to be ringing and one proved it on national television like days later as well, that's just bizarre to me. Brandon, great call. Thank you for that. Uh, First-time caller in Kentucky, Jake, you're on the air on Coast to Coast AM. Good morning. Yeah, Richard. Hey, how's it going, Ashton? Hey, how's it going? Hey, so this is just actually insane. I mean, these people on Twitter, these I, I I just can't get over it, man. They they just refuse to look at this evidence, and I mean all all these self-important people. I mean they're just losing their minds. It's like they just have some kind of skin in the game. It seems like, and uh, I mean this is just one of the most thorough internet investigations of all time, point blank period. Um, no matter what anybody says, uh, I mean I've I've looked through the just about everything these last couple of weeks, and. Uh, I mean, you're really doing a really good job. And, I mean, 
people are attacking you and not the evidence, it seems like. And, I mean, that's anybody who has any kind of problem with you and the way you've been acting, I mean, I mean, they, they, they shouldn't attack you. They should just attack the evidence. I mean, that's really what I think. And uh, Mick West is a literal spook, so... Any, any, anything else? Yeah, uh, that's all I have to say. Uh, all right, Jake. Yeah, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at JustXAshton as well. I've got 55,000 followers. Never been on TV before, just from the way the evidence alone. Um, and we, we've formed a schism in the UFO community that this is how heated people are about this information about the way the evidence is. That's so unbelievable for people. So thank you for that call. Thank you, Jake. Uh, are you concerned at all about your safety? Uh, um, you know, you do you have men in black following you around? I'm not trying to be flippant here. No, no. I was very afraid early on. And then after I did the Investigate Earth podcast, which is the first one, I want to thank Chad and Sherry for having me on. Then I was trying to get the information out there because I felt like that would protect me. Um, I have been told that people have been disappeared for stuff like this in the past. Uh, my view is that I, I there's no more noble cause than getting this information out there for the families, for the witnesses who were vilified, the leaker who went to prison, the, um, and the pilot who was vilified as well. So if anything happens to me, I just want everyone to know I have zero regrets. All right. Uh, Don is in Alberta, Canada. Don, welcome. Hi, Richard. I asked him. Hey there. Um, hey. Uh, I'd like to thank you for your excellent uh, research. Um, I'm going to go off topic for half a second because I always have to ask the question why. Like, um, there was a Ukrainian flight uh, 752 shot down over Iran a few years ago. There was a lot of Canadians on board. comes out years later now that uh, unless you had a 10-year-old at the controls, like a civilian aircraft and a military aircraft are completely different uh, animals. Um, but uh, it's now I've it's leaked out that they deliberately shot it down because they were protesting the Canada's policies against them. But anyway, for for uh, 370, I believe that uh, the 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 underside of the U.S. government planned on taking that plane from the beginning. How they stage it and how they did it, and the orbs I've actually seen them flying around. I I didn't. You never know whose they are because they've been around for a lot longer. But um, yeah, I, I I believe that that plane landed at that military base and that all the occupants uh, were alive and what they did with them and how they integrated them back into the system. But I always ask the question why, but there was a group of people on that flight that were working on a uh, uh, stealth, like to make aircraft invisible, and they were all from one company and they were all from uh, China. Because I was looking, was it was there gold on board? Was like What was the reason for stealing that aircraft? Was there technology on board that they didn't want to get out? But uh, I believe that they deliberately, they planned on taking the aircraft before it left the airport. That's my theory. And uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the IBM uh, guy that uh, sent a text, voice-to-text message giving his exact location and description of what was happening to him. Because um, a lot of people overlooked that fact. Anyway, so there's yeah. there it is. So <laughs> whether you believe right, it or not, they uh, plan to take the aircraft in the beginning or not is, is another story. Don, thank you for that. There's evidence of that as well. There, the satellite only pinged one of the two satellites the plane was in range of. There's two uh, fake Iranian passengers, fake passengers, who stolen passports as well. So this could have been a matter of preventing the intellectual property from going to China. It could be a matter of preventing the loss of the intellectual property that is related to the technology that we see deployed. Or as somebody else mentioned, it could also be a test on a doomed plane. 
So there's still a lot of mystery with this case, despite the huge amount of evidence. All right, I'm going to try to squeeze one more in. Uh, Carlos is in Hawaii. Carlos, welcome to Coast. Good morning. Good evening, gentlemen. My 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 thinking is that teleportation, when the plane vanished, it was obviously teleported somewhere. But teleportation isn't just place to place. It's time and space. So the plane could have been transported back into the past or into the future. And the orbs could have been generated from within, technology generated from within the plane, and the lithium batteries could have been uh, the power source that uh, was used for that technology as such. Yeah, so the lithium-ion batteries may have been to put out those lithium-ion batteries. This endothermic event is an absorption of energy. And the reason why you have runaway lithium-ion battery fires is because they have so much energy in them. So we've speculated that perhaps whatever these orbs are doing is, you know, saving this plane, pulling the energy out of the, the lithium-ion batteries, and they could even be a catalyst. We don't, we don't know for sure. Carlos, thank you for that. So if, if true, uh, Ashton, the United States government has achieved subliminal uh, speed, light speed, and basically time travel capabilities, um, what do you think, how do they intend, I mean, intend to use this? Yeah, and again, from a time travel perspective, I don't believe we can travel in the past without jumping timelines or going to another dimension because you would break causality. But moving to the future is absolutely possible because time dilation is real, um, just like the movie Interstellar. Now, in terms of how you could use it, you could uh, completely uh, apparently uh, annihilate any missile, nuclear weapon. We might have a perfect defense against that, not just teleporting it back to people, but just completely wiping it out. Um, you could create power sources, fusion power. There might be free energy from just being able to suck the energy out of the vacuum of space. You might also be able to create doomsday weapons. It could destroy not just the whole planet, but the entire sun. That's what I've been come to learn from talking to people like Bob Greenier. And if I could get an opportunity to just thank a couple people real quick, I want to thank Salvador Pius, Roy D. Herbert, Bob Greenier, Dave Ross, who I'm going to be interviewing tomorrow. Greg Reese of InfoWars, Anonymous, Kim.com, Investigate Earth Podcast, and Tony Merkel of The Confessionals, in addition to everybody who's been investigating with MH370X. Thank you all. Uh, so what's next in this investigation? What's next is we make this self-apparent. Uh, we need to get this information in front of as many people as possible. The U.S. government most likely will never admit to this being real. The only way is that we have to show with the weight of the evidence that the official narrative is a lie. If you put me in front of people like Joe Rogan, the whole world is going to know the truth. That is a promise. I am ready. That would be interesting. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan, yeah. That would be great to see you on with Joe Rogan. Yeah, um, or anybody with a big platform, honestly, is the reality of it. And I'm going on small platforms, too. I believe in alternative media. I believe in helping out the little guys. I, don't, I have lost all faith in mainstream media from this investigation. I wasn't even in conspiracy theories before this. And all of a sudden, I'm in potentially the biggest one of all time. Um, and people are covering this up. I think the media is completely controlled by the government, and they also will not reach out. Um, so it's all just very suspicious and very unusual to me. Well, you're on a very large platform right now. There are millions of people listening. You never know who's listening on any given night. Uh, there may be, um, who knows, theoretical physicists out there that want to want to lend a hand to this investigation. How to? Uh, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, 
So probably the easiest way is using my uh, MH370X at proton.me email. Alternatively, finding me on Twitter is probably the most active way to do so. If I follow you back, you can DM me and we can work it out. That's usually how I get in touch with podcasters. After I vet people, I'll give them my personal cell phone number and we can work that out. Anybody out there who's large, um, you know, I want to convince the world. I want to convince the skeptics. Uh, So reach out to me, guys, and we will unveil the largest verifiable conspiracy of all time, the real story of MH370. And again, if people go to the coasttocoastam.com website, go to tonight's show info, click on Ashton's name, and that'll take you right to his YouTube channel, which is uh, at Just Axe Ashton. That's also his Twitter handle, at Just Axe Ashton. And there you can see this remarkable video footage for yourself and uh, make your own determination. Ashton, Thank you so much for this. Absolutely. uh, Well, I'm gobsmacked, and I'm sure many of uh, our listeners are as well. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate the time. Ashton Forbes. All right. For George Norrie, George Knapp, Lisa Lyon, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Michael Cozio, Donna Walker, Don Galanti, Chris Burroughs, and Sean Latasor, I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. Until next time. So long for now.